Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of Ain't Got Time For That, where we speak about all things across the worlds of business, of uh, personal life, of challenges, and all those great things that we really want to learn, we really want to do. But we generally say, ain't got time for that. I'm Zeke Condon. I'm a product manager and product entrepreneur. I'm Ilan, program manager delivery lead, thinker, and a host of other things. Yeah, and just a good bloke, just seriously a good bloke. All right, so today, um, as promised, I'm going to put Ilan on the spot this week and ask Ilan a difficult question. And my difficult question to you is put you on the spot is, Ilan, what have been the benefits or disadvantages of having gotten an MBA so early in life and so early in your career? Unfold that. Good question. Um, Good question indeed. I think I'll caveat my answer by saying, I don't think any pursuit of knowledge is ever gonna be too early. Um, And I think that acquiring knowledge at different points in your life um, will lead to different um, paths. And similarly with doing an MBA early in life, um, it opened different avenues to me. Um, It broadened my horizons. Um, Had I done it later in life, I have no doubt that that other avenues and other opportunities would have opened up then. Um, in terms of some of the benefits that I got from it, um, I think, at least in my experience, um, when you go into an undergrad degree, you're still quite young, you're still trying to feel out um, where you fit into the world, where your interests are, um, and you don't necessarily pursue everything equally. Um, so there's a lot of subjects and a lot of topics that um, later in life, you actually develop um, a bit more of an appetite for um, Mm. that you don't necessarily spend the time at an undergrad when it's um, available to you um, exploring. So coming back and doing the MBA gave me that um, opportunity to revisit certain things, um, explore um, my um, a a couple of pet projects of mine, um, and also just like give me a couple of extra threads to pull. Um, I think one of the things that I loved about the MBA is it's a structured environment. Um, you, you presented with a list of different topics, a list of different um, areas that you can think about, you could spend time um, exploring um, and just pulling at threads um, and kind of seeing where that leads to. And I don't think that can ever be too early. Mm-hmm. So... I'm hearing a lot of personal benefit to it. Has has there been career benefits? If so, what are they? Um, I think in today's world, it's very difficult to isolate personal and um, professional. Um, I think that the package that you bring to both worlds is very interrelated. Um, So the way that you think, the way that you problem solve, um, the curiosity that you demonstrate um, are very interlinked. 
Um, and I think that um, me talking about it from a personal standpoint is not um, specific to just the world outside of um, my nine to five job. Um, I think that the benefits were seen there as well. Um, it definitely opened up um, doors to me. Um, it opened up promotions to me. Um, and it also just opened up other conversations, more strategic conversations at work that um, potentially were always there. Um, but I knew how to actually position myself for them and be able to um, partake in them and actually um, help add value to the organization. Mm. So you said it, so you pricked on a, an interesting thing there around the relationship between personal and professional life these days. The one thing you hooked them together with was around the thinking. Um, can you tell me, you know, what, was Ilan's thinking before and what was Ilan's thinking and thought patterns after? What are some of the takeaways you got from how you thought changes? It's difficult because I don't know if you can necessarily, like there's not a light switch moment that happens where suddenly your thinking just um, evolves and one day it's, it's structured one way and one day it's structured another. But I think that um, at least for me, it put a little bit more um, academic rigor around the way that I approach um, problems, um, a bit more structure to the way that I gather information. Um, but in terms of problem solving, um, my undergrad was in business and um, information to um, technology so obviously spent quite a bit of time in the software space and I think um, the focus on maths the focus on um, software engineering was critical to me in developing the thought processes and um, in methodology to solve different problems so I think it's not necessarily a case that there was a full shift in the way that I approach things but more um, further tools in the toolkit yep so, so rigor and structure are they um, are they tools? I mean, let, let's let's throw a scenario out here. So, I'm living in the world of entrepreneurship for the most part at the moment, and rigor and structure. Whilst I have a great appreciation for that, I can also see that it lands to the detriment of a lot of people that I work with, where they do try to put too much rigor and too much structure. So they focus on the process and not the principles. Do you think that the MBA structure, you know, it was only a few years ago, so it hasn't much changed. Is it, is it out of tune with, with, you know, the principles that we should be applying today or is it, you know, are they, are they adapting? Well, when you say rigor and structure, when you take something like design thinking, hmm. um, there's structure to that. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not fit for purpose in an entrepreneurial world. Mm. I think once again, it's the it's another tool in your toolkit, um, and it's an approach that can be used at the right time. So I think similarly with an MBA, um, yes, there's obvious there's obviously changes to the fabric of the society that we live in. Um, in the technology world, there's obviously um, 
blockchain emerging, um, there's artificial intelligence emerging. Um, I mean, arguably it's been around for 20 years, we just didn't have the um, computer power to support it, but I'll, I won't digress further. Um, I think to those topics, could we be spending a bit more time exploring them? Absolutely. But underneath it all, um, the conversations that we were having around how do you make sure that an organization operates in a slightly more lean manner? How do you make sure, how do you, um, what are some of the frameworks you can look at when you want to do mergers and acquisitions? Um, how do you understand the financial health of the business? I don't know if that necessarily changes, but I think we're talking foundation. You're not going to go into an MBA and um, expect to specialize. Yep. So, so I, I guess what you're saying then is it's not that you, you, you learnt the rigor and structure, you actually learnt an appreciation for the conceptual rigor and structure. And you just touched on the thing I was going to say next is around like those, those mental thinking frameworks, the different ways to cut and slice and dice information, but then putting an appreciation of rigor and structure around that. Would that summarize kind of your, some of your thinking changes during your MBA? Oh, I think it definitely helped aid it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Cool. Is there any other um, disadvantages that you might have, you, you've seen that uh, the things you learned, the principles you got, the, the networks, the communications, you know, the whole experience that um, you would say didn't, don't work that well out in the real world or that you, you know, if you could go back and change the way that you interacted with the course, um, is there anything that you can pick out there? I think you need to be very clear with the reasons that you're going into doing it, the MBA. Um, and I think personally for me, there's no regrets, yep. but I think that there would definitely be others that would look to embark on an MBA journey with different criteria and then doing an MBA potentially at an early age or be or doing an MBA at certain um, business schools potentially wouldn't necessarily be fit for their purposes. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that I mean with that is there are certain schools that offer one-year emerging um, immersive MBAs um, where you spend a little bit more time staying on campus. Um, and it focuses a little bit more on the network that you build. Um, and when you're looking at doing that, then you need to be thinking about the student base that the university attracts. Mm. Um, so, so you're sort of saying, like, think more about when you're looking at post-grad ed, M not so much about just what you learn, but the network, I think, the why, the, you know, why you want to learn um, concepts and things. Because I think that's that's something that a lot of people can overlook and I, and I think personally I've overlooked where I've done my research into looking at postgrads and I'm like looking at the the information I want to acquire as the the key driver in the decision to pursue looking at it but then by the time you know push comes to shove and I look at the life factors around it I then back out 
So you're you're saying so to look more holistically at you know why you know why you want to get it. Yeah. Do you think there's enough? Like like uh, how do you get to? What was your why? Why did you go to? Why did you go to an MBA? I'm obsessively curious, and I think that it gave me another avenue to go and explore that curiosity. I knew that it would. Um, that further knowledge acquisition was always going to be um, on my roadmap. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, I didn't see a, a reason to delay that. But um, why, why an MBA? Like why, if, you know, why not the wide world web or the experiences? Why did Ilan choose an MBA? I think the general aspect really attracted me. Um, I wasn't ready to go and, pursue a specific master's in a specific um, topic. Mm -hmm. um, irony is that that might be on the radar at some point in the future, but um, probably more of a conversation for another day. But doing an MBA gave you a broad enough reach mm. that um, could still, um, I scratch that itch, um, but done so in a way that I knew that there would be guaranteed benefit as well. So you, so you were kind of mindful enough to know that you were super inquisitive, but you were also mindful enough of your own personality traits that you're a generalist, that it made it an easier choice to choose an MBA across a general category that was going to give you so much information that was going to satiate that need. Um, there you go. Heard it right here. Elan, the inquisitive generalist. Um, <laughs> so I have uh, one more question, which is what are some of the tricks and tips that you could give to say, let's go with two, two, two mindsets here. Um, tricks and tips that you could give to somebody who's setting out into um, an entrepreneurial career, either they're young, old, wherever, mm -hmm. versus somebody who's setting out into a um, professional career. Number one or number two, number three insights that you would give to either one of those that you learnt as part of the MBA structure, program, lessons, network, etc. Entrepreneur first. I think for me, there's going to be a lot of overlap between the two. I think first and foremost is understand your why. Um, and then second is actually understand um, your strengths and your weaknesses. Mm. Because a, a, an MBA is a, a, an avenue you can explore. It's a stream. It's not necessarily going to be fit for purpose for everyone. And whether it's an entrepreneur, whether it's a um, upcoming professional with it, even if it's a more seasoned professional, um, if the topics that are being covered are not where you need to be investing your time, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be right for you. Mm. Um, someone... I, kind of, I kind of get the feeling that with most post-grad education, there's... Um you kind of have to have a grasp of the concepts that you're going to learn. And it's more about embedding the information you, you already know, as opposed to it being a, 
wow, I never would have known this concept existed until I started this lesson, right? And that's the, <clears throat> to what you're saying is like knowing your why and knowing your, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses before you go into it, it's kind of tied into kind of knowing conceptually what it is you're going to learn um, is tied to that. How do you and get to And that? that's why it's so different to doing an undergrad degree because I think you're very green when you go into an undergrad degree mm. and you're spending a lot of the time just trying to, if you use like the analogy of the tree, you're still trying to build that structure around it. Now you're looking more at the branches and the leaves mm. that go off it. And in your case, just growing the trunk even wider, hey? the, uh, the generalist lens to it. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. So any uh, next tip, any, any quick tips, trips, tricks and tips that you can give to anyone that's starting out in, say, a professional career? That you um, I, don't, I think don't go there with the um, belief that the learning finishes there. Mm. Um, it's a journey. Um, and I think that's why kind of understanding where you are on that journey is so critical because when you see that it's, it's a lifetime um, endeavor, then you realize that the time that you commit to it, whether it's early or later, probably doesn't matter too much. Mm -hmm. Love it. So books for the day. Um, I think we've already mentioned one without even meaning to mention it. Mm. Um, Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. Um, if you're thinking about getting into post-grad study or thinking about studying in any way, shape or form, um, if you haven't done some sort of self-discovery and understanding your own inner demons slash inner angels, um, start with why. Um, and There's that's another it. great one as well is um, how would you measure your life Ooh. by Clayton Christensen. Ooh. I don't know this one. How to measure your life. All right. I mean, how, what, what's, what's that one? Is that sort of uh, about mindfulness and? I think it's a lot of people kind of go through life and don't necessarily um, take a conscious path to the decisions that they're making um, and mm. the time that they're spending on things. Um, and it talks a lot about developing strategies, whether it's explicit or whether it's more an emergent strategy. Um, and one of the big things that kind of sunk in with me is if you look at what your week looks like, mm. you've already worked out where your interests are, where your time is, um, should be spent in the future. And then it's a case of refining that. I love it. I love it. That seems really practical as well. I think a lot of people nowadays working from home, there's a lot more kind of in the calendar blocked out digital kind of footprints that you can reflect back on too. So that's a, that's a cool one. I like it. Okay. Well, thank you very much listeners. Um, today we got into the head of Ilan, um, uh, the, the generalist who just keeps getting more and more wider trunk of generality. Um, one day he will jump into something and I'm going to push him that way. Um, maybe you'll become a specialist at being a generalist. I don't know. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Um, guys, we're, this is episode number four. So if you're listening to this one fresh, um, check out last week's uh, one on vulnerability and human-centered design. Week before that, I can't remember what it was, but it was even better. So 
go on through the playlist, have a listen, um, and hope to hear from you again next week where we will be interviewing a fantastic person um, talking about how to lead organizational change without changing the organizational structure. I'm Zeke Condon. I'm Ilan. Looking forward to it. We'll chat to you all next week. Cheers. Thanks,